engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is the one-year anniversary from Donald Trump's election as President of the United States. If the election were held today, he would still beat Hillary Clinton. Think about that for a minute. And think about that in light of what happened in Virginia last night. Um, Slaughter of Republicans. Now listen, Ralph Northam was ahead in all of the polls. So, uh, to a degree, it's not that overwhelmingly big a deal that he won. Uh, I think a lot of the media is overplaying the uh, rejection of Trump uh, idea. Um, But Republicans, I think a lot of them are underplaying it. He was going to win, though. He was ahead consistently in the polling. Um, What is a bigger deal is the Republican wipeout in the Virginia General Assembly, their House of Delegates. Uh, People did not see that coming. They were not expected to lose that, and it was a bloodbath for them. Here in Georgia as well, uh, Democrats picked up Republican seats in the special election. Now, special elections don't mean as much, but in light of the whole, um, there's something in the water out there we've got to consider. Here's the thing for Republicans, though, that you need to understand. Um, This is the fifth president in a row to see his party lose the Virginia governor's mansion in his first year in office. The Virginia uh, gubernatorial election always happens in odd-numbered years, and it happens in the first year of every president's term. And this is the fifth president in a row to see them, to see Virginia go to the other party. So with Trump, it's gone Democrat. With Obama, it went Republican. Uh, With Bush, it went Democrat. With uh, Clinton, it went Republican. And with George H.W. Bush, it went Democrat. But what this also tells us is Virginia is a good indicator of what is then coming in the next year. Because in each of those cases, with the exception of George W. Bush, largely attributed to 9-11, those other four presidents uh, or those other presidents saw their party then lose the Congress the next year. Uh, George H.W. Bush saw Republican losses mount. They, it's not that they had Congress to begin with. The Democrats were in charge, but the Democratic majority grew. With Ronald Reagan, uh, the Republicans had captured the Senate, and then they saw that go away in 82. Um, it, with Bill Clinton, the Democrats lost Congress for the first time in 40 years in 94. After the Democrats, after the Republican wave in Virginia, it was a big indicator that Virginia had shifted because in 19, when was it, 93, there was a huge Republican wave in Virginia that kind of foreshadowed what was coming. Same with Obama in 2009, there was a huge Republican wave in Virginia in 2009, uh, showing what was coming in 2010, that the other party was energized. Republicans need to take this to heart and understand There is a Democratic wave building, unlike the presidential election where the president lost the popular vote, but he was able to win the Electoral College. There is no Electoral College in 2018. But there's a warning for the Democrats in all of this as well that they need to pay attention to and not get overconfident about because next year's no guarantee. So Democrats are still at a financial disadvantage for next year. 
Nationally, on the generic ballot, uh, the Democratic margin has shrunk back to where it is with the Republicans. And the Republicans are redistricted. The Democrats have to pick up 24 seats nationwide. Uh, and that's going to be tough in some cases because they have to pick up seats like the 6th Congressional District in Georgia, which is Karen Handel's seat she beat from John Ossoff. Um, so there's no guarantee, and even if they take back the House, there's no guarantee they take back the Senate. But it certainly looks like the makings of a Democratic wave. Now, listen, let me say this. I know there are those of you who would like to call in this evening and say that if Ed Gillespie had run uh, more Trumpian, he would have won, because that's what Donald Trump said, and so you have to believe it as an article of faith because your master told you to. I get that. Uh, for those of us who have any common sense and actually paid attention to what happened in Virginia, this is nonsense because Ed Gillespie did run as, as a Trump candidate, and the problem here is the Republicans are in a no-win situation. If Ed Gillespie ran as a Trump candidate, he would lose independent and Democratic voters, which is what happened. If he ran as a non-Trump candidate, he would lose Trump voters. Republicans across the nation are going to be caught in this, and it's a no-win situation for them. Consider this data point in the Virginia exit polling, which were pretty spot on, just like the public opinion poll is. By the way, there's some, something for you to note here. The Virginia popular opinion polls were right. They were. Just like in 2016, the polling average was right. Uh, the overall polling average in Virginia was right. Ralph Northam won, just as the poll said he would. Uh, he actually exceeded the polling average margin in that. But here's, here's a point uh, that you need to pay attention to here. Is that 33% of voters in Virginia said they were voting as a protest to President Trump. Only 17% said they were voting as to support the president, a public show of support of the president. Most voters in Virginia, a plurality of voters, uh, I think it was 40, 40, some odd, 49, 48%, said the president did not influence their vote. But, but, in a close election, that matters, that a third of voters wanted to protest the president. What it shows us is that Democrats are energized right now in the same way Republicans were energized in 2009-2010. Uh, Democratic voters right now, the resistance, as they're calling themselves, are emboldened, and Republican voters aren't. One of the reasons Republican voters aren't is because Donald Trump is not on the ballot. In the same way that Barack Obama had a coalition that was not the Democrats, it appears Donald Trump has a coalition that is not the Republicans. If Donald Trump is not on the ballot, they will not turn out. Democrats can look at this and say, oh, it means Trump's going down in 2020. They should actually look at it and think, you know what? Um, we may see Donald Trump reelected, but have a Democratic Congress. And for a lot of Trump voters, they'll be okay with that because the Republicans in Washington are failing to deliver on anything. It looks like the tax reform plan is collapsing as we speak. The president has come out and savaged the House plan to the Democrats. He, he called into a Senate Democratic meeting and savaged the Republican House's plan that is up for a vote in the Ways and Means Committee, saying the Senate plan would be better. Uh, Ted Cruz has come out against the House plan. Uh, Marco Rubio has come out against the House plan. Susan Collins has come out against the House plan. That's enough to kill it right there. So we'll see what the Senate comes up with. Uh, 
Uh, they did not repeal Obamacare as they promised. Even their attempts to repeal Obamacare weren't really attempts to repeal Obamacare. They can't seem to get tax reform done. Um, they're killing the adoption tax credit, which has evangelical voters livid. The Republicans are—here's the key to 2018. Republicans are probably going to lose seats because historically, with the exception of FDR because of World War II and George W. Bush because of 9-11, the incumbent party of the White House loses seats in the midterm elections. That is the way it happens in this country. I do not think that Donald Trump uh, it falls outside this rule of politics, barring some sort of natural uh, or national national security disaster. So they're going to lose seats. The question is, what do Republicans do to mitigate the loss? Democrats in 2010 never mitigated the damage. They never mitigated the loss. They were so convinced people would like Obamacare and people didn't, they misread the tea leaves and they were annihilated. Republicans aren't even bothering to read the tea leaves. The question for the GOP right now should be, what are we going to do to mitigate the losses? What are we going to do to mitigate uh, what's going to happen? And they're not offering themselves any solutions. They're not offering any ability to come up with a way to mitigate the coming Democratic wave. They're offering no countermeasures to neutralize the wave. All they're doing is spinning in circles, yelling at each other, coming up with things that make their own base mad. A failure to repeal Obamacare, a failure to do tax reform that meaningfully helps the middle class. If they can't mitigate it, it's probably going to be even worse come next year. Their only saving grace right now is that the Democratic Party looks like it's headed towards a civil war over the culture war themselves, and the progressives look like they're going to win, and most Americans don't want that to happen. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. I hope you guys are doing well today. I know some of you are, well, a little bit disgruntled by what happened last night in the elections. Uh, this too shall pass, I do believe. Um, you know, politics is cyclical in the country. And what happened in Virginia is a, a good reminder of it. The The election of Donald Trump uh, may have been the pendulum swinging all the way as far as it was going to to the right. And now it's swinging back. We'll dwell on that a little bit. Now, when we come back, I want to spend a little more time on Virginia. We also have to get into the, uh, the latest news out of the Texas shooting. USA Today has run this video graphic of the modifications that the shooter used with his AR-15, including a chainsaw. They've later had to come out and say that's not actually the modifications he made. This is just hypothetical. They were doing this to scare people about AR-15s. That's all it was. It was agenda-driven journalism, not fact-driven journalism. Um, but if you are a Southern Baptist, if you are in the Baptist church, you call your friends and family and tell them to tune into WSB right now because you need to know something really, really big about the Southern Baptist Church when we come back. It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number here is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. 
you can get the show notes every day and the podcast links by texting SHOW to 444-999. If you are a Southern Baptist, and I, I mean that by actually you're going to a Southern Baptist church, um, not just culturally you consider yourself a Baptist, or uh, some people now even use it almost as an ethnic modifier, but I mean you actually participate in the Southern Baptist Convention. You go to a Southern Baptist church. Um, I need to talk to you for just a minute. The rest of you eavesdrop on this conversation, please, because um, you, you'll be impressed. When you go to church on Sunday, this coming Sunday, and you are debating whether or not you should put money in the offering plate, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention will be paying for the funerals of all 26 people killed in Sutherland, Texas. The North American Mission Board has stepped in to cover those costs. So the North American Mission Board is the domestic mission wing of the Southern Baptist Convention. So when your church is giving its annual allotment of money designated to missions, domestic missions in particular, um, money is going there. So you remember that when you are giving. It probably won't even come up in your church service on Sunday. Um, but when you give money... Uh, know that some of it will find its way into this glorious cause, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention covering the costs of the funerals of the 26 people killed in Sutherland, Texas. Um, that's a beautiful thing for them to do. Uh, USA Today has pushed out a graphic uh, image on social media showing the AR-15 that the individual used, and I don't even actually think he used an AR-15. He used something else uh, similar to it, but not it. Anyway, they showed the modifications that the killer Devin Kelly used to kill those people, including he apparently added he had a bump stock, he had a chainsaw attachment he had a flashlight he had laser sights laser beams he didn't have any of that stuff no 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 usa today after much ridicule has had to come out and say well we were just trying to show the modifications he could have made on his assault rifle despite there being no such thing as an assault rifle um, you know, there actually, I encountered someone today who really thinks that there is a designation of an assault rifle. There, there actually is no such thing as an assault rifle. And I know people think that because the media talks about it all the time, but an assault rifle is a manufactured term that Congress came up with to talk about, uh, any long barrel gun that can have multiple modifications. Um, that's their assault rifle. And nowadays, uh, you see a long barrel gun that looks like it's a military gun. And like, oh, that's an assault rifle. No, uh, basically, if I point my finger at you in the shape of a gun and then add another finger to it, so I've got two fingers pointed at you with my thumb up, that's an assault finger because I made modifications to my finger gun. Um, it really is somewhat ridiculous. Uh, nonetheless, um, that's what they have done. And USA Today wants you to know he had laser beams, flashlights, chainsaws, bump stocks, and he had none of that stuff. And they've had to walk it back after massive ridicule on social media. Now, you know, there's another lesson in Virginia. And I think this is the relevant lesson because I do think that, I mean, CNN basically gleefully is giving wall-to-wall -wall coverage on uh, the president's crushing defeat in Virginia last night when he wasn't on the ballot. It, there's something to it, though, because uh, Ralph Northam outperformed Hillary Clinton. In fact, college, it was a greater 
that the level of turnout in Virginia last night was not predicated on partisanship. It was predicated on college degree. The more educated you were, the more likely you were to turn out and vote Democrat, and that includes Republicans, uh, typical Republican voters. In fact, there were some state House and Senate districts in Virginia that are comfortably Republican districts where the Republican voters turned out and they voted Democrat uh, in the local level and at the gubernatorial level. And that can't be interpreted as anything other than a rejection of the president. It was a backlash. And you just you got to accept that uh, to be able to move forward. And one of the things you need to do to be able to move forward is recognize again that all politics is local. See, the truth is that even though the president is is assailing Ed Gillespie saying it's not me, it's him. He didn't run as sufficiently Trump enough, uh, which isn't really true when you pay attention to the campaign Ed Gillespie ran on the ground. I know Ed Gillespie, and he ran uh, as a Trump candidate. He ran full culture war. His final mail pieces showed football players taking knees, saying they took knees, you stand up and vote, um, things like that. The problem here is that Ed Gillespie didn't believe it. Ed Gillespie wasn't authentically Trump. He wasn't even mini Trump. He had no heart for what he was doing, and everybody knew it. The moral of the story for Republicans, I think, who want to try to mitigate what's going to happen next year is be your own man. Don't run as the president's minion. Be your own man. To the extent you support the president, say so. To the extent you don't, say so. But make the politics local. Make it about where you live. Make it about the big issues. See, Ed Gillespie ran a campaign that tried to paint Ralph Northam, a man who voted for George W. Bush twice as a huge liberal, and then he tried to make it about the culture war. He didn't try to make it about Virginia per se. If you're going to try to neutralize the Democrats in 2018, you've got to remember that all politics is local and all of these political races, they are about local issues ultimately. And you need to make the presence felt. You need to make it felt on the local level. You need to convince the Democrats that you will stand up to the president and you're worth keeping around. You need to convince the Republicans um, that you will help the president where you can. But the problem is you got to give them something. And the Republicans in Washington right now are giving nobody anything. Thing. They can't even pass tax reform. And if a Republican Party can't cut taxes, what good is a Republican Party? There's some breaking news right now. Vice President Pence is at a, a vigil for the uh, people killed in Texas. Uh, there have been reports of gunfire near there. The vice president or the people there in no danger. Security precautions have been taken, however. Um, as the story develops, we'll keep it in no danger to the vice president or whatnot, but some moron has apparently fired a gun near there and uh, not something you want to do on a day like this. Um, we will see. And we will, when we come back, continue delving into uh, the Virginia situation and what the Republican Party can do about it, as well as the tax situation. And also, uh, what should you do about stuff like this? And have we lost the Supreme Court? Because, um, you know, th there is some thinking out there that, uh, based on Virginia last night, Anthony Kennedy may think, hmm, I can wait out Trump now and at least have Democrats get the Senate next year, and they will pull a Merrick Garland and confirm no one. 
making it 18, er, four to four. If if he even thinks like that, I, I don't know that people really understand the minds of some of these Supreme Court justices, but there would be some level of bitter irony that a lot of evangelicals supported Trump in 2016 to save the Supreme Court and might actually have lost it uh, as a result. Um, that's a point to ponder here. We will delve deep on all these issues when we come back and take your phone calls. 404-872-0750. It is nine after the hour. I, you know, I wasn't even going to talk about this, um, but I am now because I just saw the headline that I hadn't seen earlier. Um, and so let me spend some time on this. And you should know full disclosure before going into this. Uh, I am an employee of Fox News uh, and a political analyst, but I'm seeing a bunch of people in the media say Fox News barely talked about the Trump, uh, the, the disaster in Virginia last night. Fox News didn't talk about it. Fox News went 100 hours or 100 minutes without covering it. Who cares? The media has, the national mainstream media, excluding Fox, willfully ignores vast amounts of stories. They have ignored the fact that an NRA trained um, teacher is the guy who stopped the mass murderer in Texas. In fact, MSNBC ran a story that he didn't save lives. Time and time again, they ignore stories. Um, They have largely ignored what's happening in Saudi Arabia because they see it as a rebuke of Barack Obama's legacy, so they don't want to touch it. Time and time again, the national media refuses to cover stories that only Fox News covers, and then they want to turn their nose up at Fox News for the way it covers a story? Willful hypocrites they are. That's all I will say about that. I do want to say, though, that Barack Obama used the Justice Department to hound News Corp and 21st Century Fox and the Murdoch family Uh, Because of Fox News. Barack Obama had the Justice Department pursue investigations into News Corp largely because of uh, Fox. And we know this because people leaked from the Justice Department. And this was before any sexual harassment allegations or anything like that against O'Reilly or or, uh, Roger Ailes. They they wanted to probe Fox News because they do not like it. They did not like it. And conservatives were rightfully outraged. Conservatives were rightfully outraged. They should be outraged as well that it appears Donald Trump wants to kill the AT&T Time Warner merger out of spite for CNN. The Justice Department is demanding that AT&T uh, sell off CNN should they buy Time Warner. Now, they're not buying it, and a lot of people are, are um, misunderstanding this. Uh, Time Warner Cable, the cable system, uh, has already been sold. They're buying Time Warner, the the network, the, the uh, broad HBO, CNN, all that. And the Justice Department wants AT&T to scrap CNN if they're going to get Time Warner. 
and it appears more likely than not to be out of spite. They're basically telling AT&T, give up DirecTV or give up CNN, knowing they're not going to give up DirecTV, so presuming that will force them to give up CNN, and AT&T says they would rather fight this out. And AT&T is right to do this. No presidential administration should target the private sector to settle political scores, whether it is Democrats or Republicans. And I don't care that there are some of you yelling at the radio right now. I can feel the disturbance in the force saying, well, they did it, so we have to do it too. No, no. If the Obama administration jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? Uh, they essentially jumped off a bridge and set the precedent for you guys to jump off a bridge, and you shouldn't be jumping off a bridge. You should not surrender the high ground on an argument like this um, before it heads to court. You should not. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. And yet again, one of those precedents that the Democrats, when they get back to the White House, which they will eventually do, will amp up in ways you cannot imagine right now. And you will not be able to say, oh, hey, shouldn't do that. Why? Because you were perfectly willing to let Donald Trump do it. That's a problem. Y'all, I, I want to dwell for just a minute here on, I, I got to give a speech tomorrow night uh, after the show and down the street. And it's relevant here. And I, I, I have been dwelling on this a lot in, in light of what happened in Virginia last night. Um, I, I think it's relevant to talk about. And that is, you know, there, there's the line in Jeremiah 29. Let me read you, if you'll allow me, um, let me read you the passage that I'm talking about, because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And looking at people's reaction last night to the election of Virginia, friends of mine in Georgia and elsewhere around the country looking at what happened in Virginia, it really makes me, it reminds me how much we all focus on Washington. Now, to a degree, we have to. Because Washington is the power center of this country, but it was never meant to be. And you know, as the culture shifts to the left in this country and the powers that be become increasingly hostile to people of faith, um, I, I more and more believe we really do need to actually focus on the welfare of our cities, on Atlanta, on Johns Creek, on Milton, on Roswell, on Atlanta, on Sandy Springs, on Woodstock, on uh, Alpharetta, wherever you live, uh, McDonough, Noonan, Carrollton, Douglas, you name it. Pour your energy into the welfare of your city. And, and I've really come to believe, the more I've studied that passage, that it, it really is talking about your city, not your city-state, not your state, not your nation, but in your city. And if all of you in your individual cities seek the welfare of your individual cities, then your state prospers. And if your state prospers, your nation prospers. And we get so fixed on Washington in a way the founders never intended. And in a way, it's hard to get away from, uh, honestly, because Washington has become so powerful in ways it shouldn't. But to some degree, I, I almost think we need to step back. Are you funding, helping fund the local pro-life crisis pregnancy center? You know, they are under attack, withering attack by the left. Uh, they get cold called all the time from people on the left, hoping to trip them up, hoping to expose them as fake clinics, even though they provide services uh, for women in their communities. 
Are you helping the local Christian schools? Are, are you helping the homeschool community? Are you helping in measurable ways uh, the people in your own backyard? And stepping away, I, I think sometimes it's good to step away from national politics and just focus on the welfare of your city, focus on the welfare of those around you, your actual next-door neighbor, not just be on social media yelling about what's going on in Washington. And to the extent here, we try to also focus on local news um, because you do live here. And what happens in Atlanta is going to affect you more measurably tomorrow than what happens in Washington and certainly what happens in Virginia. What happens here in your community will affect you more. You know, it boggles my mind to see people on the left so much these days yelling at the president uh, that he screwed up the country, he's ruined their lives, he's doing all these things. My life hasn't changed since November 20th, and neither has yours. The Republicans in Congress have passed no major legislation. The president has done nothing to really repeal or upend Obamacare. They've done none of the things the left accuses them of. Uh, your, your, your life really hasn't measurably changed. But it may very well change tomorrow if a, if a streetlight goes out in Atlanta, and that's a local issue, not a national issue. It may very well change locally if uh, some indoctrinating left-wing fool shows up at your kid's school, and that's a local issue. It very well may change if, if you encounter someone in your community in need, and that again is a local issue. And the more we obsess over Washington, I, we were never meant to obsess over Washington. The founders would be appalled that we obsess over Washington. And I'm not saying we, we shouldn't or we can't, because to a degree you still have to, because Washington is so powerful. But I also think with what's coming, and I think what's coming isn't good for people of faith in this country. I really don't. I'm increasingly pessimistic about it. Um, you mitigate, and I think uh, Republicans need to be about mitigating the damage that's coming to them by passing things in Washington that are popular and running as their own men. And I think you've got to mitigate what's coming in your community from secularists who are opposed to you by seeking the welfare of your city, by actually being committed to and engaged in your local community and helping your local community uh, with your values. And honestly, I think that Sometimes we can all use a break from staring at Washington and looking in our own backyard and trying to find things here because we can certainly make a difference in the same way you, you pick one room in your house when your house is a wreck and you clean it up. Suddenly it makes a, a visible difference in your mo emotional well-being that suddenly you think you can clean the whole house. Clean your backyard first. Seek first the welfare of the city you are in. As it prospers, you will prosper. Hi there, it's 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. When I do a live read, typically, um, the company that I'm doing it for, I, I've got a pre-existing relationship with them, and so I know the products, and they still send me kind of a, a general outline script. Um, and I can read off of, like with Omaha Steaks, uh, listing the, the different food. Just you got to make sure you get it right. Um, I do not have a pre-existing relationship with, with Opendoor.com, uh, and I wish I had. And uh, they are the one company I don't need a script to tell you about them because I am enamored with this company uh, and have never used them and have sent multiple friends of mine in their direction now. And the pleasant experiences continue to rack up with friends of mine. Now, Open Door is a different way to sell your house. And I've got a number of friends who are moving in the area. Having gone through this myself, and it was a miserable process, I wish 
I had a relationship with opendoor.com before they asked me to take a look at them and to consider endorsing them. And I got to tell you, having heard Clark Howard talk about them and others, I, this, wow. Y'all know what you do to sell your house, right? You go through this process where you got to clean up the house. You, you got to get everything right. You got to put the lockbox on the front door. You got to get out of the house if, if people are coming by to check out the house. It all, it's just a hassle. It's inconvenient. You got to keep the yard looking, everything. It's just, it's it's a fantastic hassle. And that all goes away with opendoor.com. You can, you can reach out to opendoor.com by going to their website. They are going to be completely transparent with you. They will make you an offer on your house and you can take it or you can leave it and you can close on your time schedule within three days in some cases, up to 60 days. It is a smooth process. And they're going to tell you how they came up with the offer they're making on your house. Um, very, very good product. And the number of friends that I have sent there and have had positive experiences continues to grow. So if you got a house and you're not really happy with your situation right now on being in the market, go to opendoor.com and see what they can do for you. I definitely recommend it. When we come back, what happened in coming Georgia last night? My goodness. Talk about political upheaval in that place. You know, I have watched CNN now in here since 5 o'clock. They, it's been on, and I don't actually know how to change the channel in here. <laughs> I don't even know how to turn off the TV. Um, they've changed the TVs, and these were, I don't know where the remotes are for the... Anyway, um, they have, for two hours now, been focused with a breaking news banner that 64% now have less confidence in Trump, um, that, that 64% think the president deserves to lose in 2020. Why are we talking about an election that is in 2020 as opposed to 2018? I, I just, you know, there's other news in the world, and you would never know it based on the, the CNN coverage of the Virginia You, I mean, it was one state. And, you know, there was big news up and coming last night where most of the city council was turned out and the the mayor who's been mayor since the 70s, they're all gone to younger people. Uh, and it is one of those things of the young people mounting campaigns against the old people who've been there forever and just took for granted they were going to get reelected. And the young people won uh, about basically making coming more of a place that you you go to as opposed to pass through. It was a, a rather big deal up there, a, a big sea change up there. In fact, the city council, there was a special house district election up there, and the uh, city elections, even though there weren't necessarily, there weren't as many people, that it was a bigger election. Um, just fascinating up there. All politics is local. We, we all do need to remember all politics is local. Um that's not going to change anytime soon, and it's not going to change next year. And I do have to say, I mean, the the media wants to make a very big deal out of the Georgia special elections. Hunter Hill seat, he barely hung on to it last year. I, I did see a gratuitous shot from Michael Williams today against Hunter Hill. I, it made me laugh that had he stayed in the seat, it wouldn't have gone to the Democrats until next year, really. Um, that seat was trending Democrat. But it, there were some of the others where... Republicans in Georgia just ran pathetic candidates, and this is kind of a sign 
of what I see with the Republican Party in Georgia and elsewhere, it's becoming uh, an intellectually just shallow party, devoid of ideas um, and coddles to the interests of big businesses, which doesn't really stimulate uh, voters. And we, we had some terrible Republican candidates. Democrats were smart. I mean, Democrats in Georgia put up candidates in every single special election, including the ones they knew they weren't going to win in. They found some good candidates to run, and the Republicans just took for took advantage of the or took for granted the fact they were going to win, and they didn't. And they forgot all politics is local. It wasn't just a a big uh, resistance surge against Trump in Georgia. It was uh, there was some demographic trending in Hunter Hill's race, for example, but the others you had terrible Republican candidates in some of them. Um, I, 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 I would not be surprised that the Republicans shouldn't be surprised that the Republicans lost. The big issue though, is the city of Atlanta mayoral race. Um, okay. So this Atlanta mayoral race, y'all, I don't know what sort of people run the Atlanta board of elections, but the state of Virginia, the state of New Jersey, and the state of Utah, which is on the other freaking side of the United States of America, all knew who their elected fish officials were going to be before Atlanta Board of Elections could tell you the two people who would make it into a runoff. I mean, do we have, I mean, who are these people who run this place? What is the problem? I mean, seriously, the entire state of Virginia knew who its governor was going to be before we knew. I mean, they had two people to get into a runoff, and they couldn't tell you either one. The state of New Jersey, the state of Utah had a special election for Congress. It is on the other side of the nation, and it, where the polls closed hours after Atlanta closed, they could tell you who was going to win before Atlanta knew who the two people were going to be who got into the election. This is inexcusable. By the way, we use this thing called computers where people touch buttons on a screen. There were no paper ballots. It's not like you had Grandma Moses in there with her blue hair and super thick coat bottle glasses counting paper ballots with someone second guessing whether or not there was a hanging chad. No, all you had to do is take a little bitty credit card and stick it in a little bitty machine and download all sorts of data to tell you, boom, this is who it's going to And they couldn't do it. Who runs the joint, and why are they incapable of doing it? Now, if they're like providing people who have needs, jobs, okay, I'll I'll be sympathetic to it because there are some people who can't help themselves through physical or mental disability, and the fact that the government could get them jobs counting votes, well, God bless them. But I don't think that's the case. I, I, I don't think... That's the case. I I think this is just employees of the city or the county of Fulton County, I don't know, incapable of doing their basic function of telling us who won an election. When the rest of the nation, when Utah, when the results in Utah, a state in Pacific time on the far side of the country is able to tell us who the next congressman will be and their polls closed hours after Atlanta's polls closed and they still beat Atlanta. 
That's a damning indictment on the city of Atlanta's competence to do anything. But they want to bring in Amazon. Can you imagine adding those extra voters? I mean, it will be weeks. If we were to get Amazon, hypothetically, it could be weeks before we find out who runs the joint around here. It is ridiculous. And, you know, this affects all of us when it comes to the gubernatorial races, the, all the statewide races. Uh, the incompetence matters. It is 56 after the hour. Well, I went long in the last segment. Y'all don't forget, uh, get the show notes, get the podcast, text show to 444-999. More importantly, uh, the adoption tax credit. Paul Ryan came out in defense of scrapping it today, saying it doesn't benefit low-income families, but it does benefit the middle class. And I am hearing from so many people who have adopted kids, and they are so angry with the congressional Republicans. I don't think Republicans in Congress recognize the problem that they have. they got a real one. Uh, and if you want to uh, support keeping the adoption tax credit, text the word ADOPT to 52886, and that'll put you in touch with your congressman and two senators, uh, wherever you may be, uh, letting them know you want them to keep the adoption tax credit. It looks like the Senate plan is going to keep the adoption tax credit, which is a good thing. I'm just, this tax reform plan, it doesn't seem like it really benefits a lot of people.